0: Rex, a man who has sold 7,000 houses, him and his team, right? Maybe just about 3,000 himself, a uh, small number there, H- has the We Are The They uh, group m- uh, empowering men to go out and have these amazing adventures and also has a show and a podcast, content creator, beyond, author, etc. Jimmy, I'm so excited to have you on because we can talk a lot about business, but we can also talk about our faiths, which I'm really excited to talk about with you as well. So take us into the journey. Like, like I mean why 7,000 homes? Like what was the catalyst to move into the, to the coaching space? Kind of take us through some of the business stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know man, I kind of got into real estate by accident a little bit. You know, I wanted to be able to know how to do my own stuff. And, uh, I think a lot of people kind of start with real estate for that reason. And so I got into it and it just kind of took off my second year as an agent. I sold 98 homes between me and an assistant and I was just kind of off to the races, you know? And when I say 7,000 homes, I have a real estate partner my partner, Tyler Bennett, um, he worked for an organization that just sold investment homes all over the world and country and everything. It's just incredible. And he, I turned my team over to him about a year and a half ago. Um, but he personally has sold probably 4,000 investment homes now. And so when we, you know, combine our two numbers right there, but yeah, man, we got to the point, my last full year in real estate sold 497 houses a couple of years ago. And uh, at one point I sold the most expensive house ever in Utah as a 32 and a half dollar house. That was a good seven figure paycheck in about a day. And, um, but dude, I just uh yeah, man, I've always been you know kind of a spirit of an entrepreneur and and do a lot of different things, but uh and not afraid to pivot and try something new, I guess has kind of been what's led me to where I'm at
0: a lot of times in with people of faith, the money making stuff can get a little bit like uncomfortable, you know like I mean obviously growing up in in church, a lot of times people kind of downplay those types of things. like what has that journey been like for you?
1: Well, nobody would remember the good Samaritan if he was broke, you know, (laughs) one of the jokes that I like to make, but no, you know, I mean, money's an amplifier, dude. So if you're out there doing good, it's going to do a lot more. And if you're doing some dumb things, it's probably not the best thing if you get a lot of money. So, um, at the end of the day, I mean, I, you know, I think, um, I think when, you know, like purpose and passion, all those different things that you're trying to accomplish, Um, If you're doing it from a weak position, you start to change the reason why you do things. Um, Your motives change. You're just trying to make money, trying to survive. I mean, there is the reality of you need to have money. Um, And so I think, you know, the pursuit of excellence is what you want to go after. You want to have impact. But, you know, you're going to get paid directly proportionate to the amount of value that you bring to the marketplace. And so I've never really worried about the money. It's always there. Um, you know, I just know if I go out and I serve and I create value, then I'll have money. And so it's kind of nice when you don't have to worry about it. Um, you just kind of know it's going to be there. But at the same time, I went to buy a nicer vehicle the other day. I just was like, I haven't bought a new car in six years. I'm like, I'm, you know, like everyone, I, everyone, all my employees have nicer cars than me. I'm like, I should buy something nicer. And, uh, I went to buy it and I sat in it I took it for a test drive. I was gonna buy a G wagon. I'm like, this is not me. I don't want this. And uh, you know, there's a really beautiful quote uh, is Andrew Tate actually of all people that said it, but it's a great quote. And uh, essentially, he said people aren't uh, people don't enjoy having things; they enjoy acquiring things. It's like there's a moment when you get it, but that goes away so fast, then you're just stuck with this thing. Like there's no, you know. And I've had a lot of money. I had the big house early in my 20s. I made, you know, I was making seven figures in my mid 20s, and so I did all that. I had, I traveled the world. I've been to 106 countries. I've had the nicest houses and I've had the biggest parties and I've had the nicest cars. And, and honestly, man, at the end of the day, the stuff that makes you happy, the stuff that's going to fulfill you, it's the stuff that money can't buy. It is. And you know, I'd like to tell you, I figured that out before I did it the wrong way and I just didn't. Um, but I try to use my experience and, you know, um, just my own path that I had to go down to help other people see that now. Now, that being said, you know, I'm, I'm a big proponent of, you know, if you want to help a lot of other people, you got to be in a position of strength. Like you want to help the poor, don't be one of them kind of thing. And so it is very important to go out and earn a lot of money and, and just get your house in order, you know, help a lot of other people.
0: So as, as you accelerated in your twenties and built a lot of wealth Like you obviously traveled a lot, right? For experience. Was it kind of a similar thing with experience where it's like, Hey, I've been all these countries, but even that's not fulfilling, uh, kind of take us, take us into that a little bit.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of things, you know, I, I'm a very curious human. I took a test one time and my number one motivation is curiosity. And so for me, uh, I think a lot of what drove me was just, I want to see it all. I want to do it all. I want to experience it all. Uh, that's good and bad. Um, I was very not grounded in my life, but at the same time I had a lot of experience. And so, you know, traveling the world is where I really learned to love correctly. And I learned to quit judging people. I learned to, my eyes were open to so many different ideas and thoughts. I think everybody should travel. Um, you know, and when I originally, I could never spend time by myself. And so I had a really brilliant mentor that said, you need to go travel by yourself. And the thought of that, I mean, I couldn't eat lunch by myself. The thought of traveling across the world, it was terrifying, you know? And little by little, I got myself to do it. And I've probably been to 40 countries by myself, um, you know, just fly to Croatia, rent a car, drove across eight states, ended up in Romania or states, countries, whatever, ended up in Romania and just saw some of the most amazing things. I mean, my eyes have seen pretty much everything there is in this world to do and give. And and it's really beautiful thing. Um, about a year ago, um, I realized that that bug was gone. Like now I'm focused on other things and I no longer have the travel bug. I never um, we'll probably travel again for just the sake of, uh, escaping, you know, cause it is a way to distract yourself from doing the work. It's a way to just get away or whatever else. And, um, you know, there's an old quote that used to always bother me, but it's, you know, build a life you don't need an escape from, you know, mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's not why I'm traveling. But if we're being real with ourselves, it was probably partially why I was traveling.
0: Right. Absolutely. You mentioned learn to love. Was that something that, because you went to a specific place and, and saw it demonstrated? Or was it just because the diversity was so big across all the experiences, uh, that it just kind of melted away the judgment?
1: Uh, both, you know, I have specific moments that stand out to me. I went to Egypt with a buddy of mine. He was born in Palestine and uh, his dad was from Egypt. And, um, you know, I've always, this was probably six, seven years ago, but I always had this fear of Muslim people. Right. I, I'm from Utah. I don't know any Muslims. Um, you know, not, we don't even have black people here. So it's like, you know, let alone people from the middle East or whatever. And, um, Uh, I remember I was so afraid of them. I'd just seen what I'd seen on the news or what I'd heard. So I go to Egypt with him. He happens to be Muslim, um, or used to be, he, um, converted out of that, but, um, his family's all still Muslim and we go to Egypt, we go to the pyramids and then they had a dinner for us, you know, both nights we were there, um, in Cairo and we got 25 people, full Muslim people, and they could not have been more welcoming, more loving, more, um, amazing in every way. His mom came up to me at one point. I mean, he hadn't been home in 14 years when he came over to the States. She came up to me and she just started crying. And she said, you know, you have no idea um, how beautiful it is for me as a mother to see that my son has a friend like you over in the United States. I can feel your heart. I can tell that you're, you know, a beautiful human. And I'm just like, gosh, dude, I've had so much judgment on these people from what I saw in the news and stuff. And, uh, and so it just kind of melted away immediately. You know, I went back the, almost a year ago, I went to Saudi Arabia with one of my best friends. We went to Qatar for the world cup and spent a few days in Saudi Arabia and you know, everything you hear about Saudi Arabia is, it's not good. And, uh, dude, they could not have been nicer people. Not one person cared that we were like, we went to their most holy mosque. It's the second most holy place in all of Islam, uh, in Medina. And, uh, you can't even go to the other one. Um but in mecca and uh and we went to there and they like were inviting us to go inside they offered to like buy us the proper robe like the guy gave us money like to make sure that we were dressed properly and we're like you no we have money we just didn't know like it was beautiful and these nobody cared it was just they were just beautiful humans they just like wanted to love they worship god they want to be um the best humans that they can be and and you see that firsthand you can experience it. it's one thing to read about it's one thing to see it on tv you feel it when you're there, you know, it's energetic. And, and I could tell that these people really were beautiful humans. And so I think just travel in that sense gives you experiences like that. And I got 20 more just like that, you know?
0: Yeah. Speaking of experiences, you went and visited Wim Hof with a group of people um, and would love to know more about that experience particularly, but then also would like to know, like, what would be your top three experiences you've had so far?
1: Um, I never went and visited with Wim Hof. Oh, you did, uh, not. I did We did a Wim Hof hike with my group. Maybe that's okay. what you're referring to. We had I 200 so. guys. We did a hike in the snow. It was based off – so the guy that I had come with is Mitch Matthews. He's the one that led it. He had gone and studied with Wim Hof in Poland, and so he came and did it. It was at my annual event last year. We had 200 dudes we all hiked in the snow. I mean, we're talking four inches or four feet of snow and we all had our shirts off and did a hike for about two hours. And honestly, you're not cold. You just learn how to breathe the right way. It was was a really cool experience. And you know, I mean, what do you do with 200 people when it's snowing outside? I was like, let's just make a hike out of it. And so it was actually a really cool, beautiful experience.
0: Yeah. I'm assuming you guys probably had snow boots on and all all that sort of stuff.
1: No, man, like tennis shoes stuff. I'm telling you, man, we were like shorts and tennis shoes just in Utah up in the mountains. Yeah. Yeah. It was beautiful.
0: So, so hundred. you said 106 or 160 countries or something like this? 106 I've been to. Yeah. 106. What, I mean, what are some just top of mind? I mean, you gave obviously some about the world cup and whatnot, but what are some top of mind experiences?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, if you, if you were to say to me like, Hey, I'm dying in two weeks, I got to go one place where do I got to go. Um, you know, there's a lot of places you can pick, but, uh, I would say, dude, you've got to go see like just what is Africa. I know it's a continent, not a country, but uh, particularly I went to one time to Victoria falls. Um, it's on the border. It's why I can't say one country cause it's, it's on the border of Namibia, Botswana, Z- Zambia and Zimbabwe. But it's one of the natural wonders of the world. One of the seven, um, the waterfalls are, but then dude, like, so you're sitting on this berm just overlooking this lake and you can see the elephants silhouette in the background. You got hippos in the water. I remember we were walking to our hotel we're walking through this like jungly area. And I see these – it was kind of on the resort. And I see these, like, statues of these two giraffes, like, right on the path. I'm like, oh, those are – damn, those are good. Those are really lifelike. And all of a sudden, as I'm thinking that, the neck just goes – they were real giraffes. They're just like, oh, geez. And then, you know, we went and slept out in the bush. And um, I had a honey badger crawl up to my leg. I'm just like – the guy's just laughing at me. I'm like, do I just sit here? He's like, yeah. And then that night monkeys were swinging from one tree to the next above us. And we woke up, there was lions sleeping 200 yards away. I'm just incredible experience, you know? And so like, it's just another world. Um, So I would say that would probably be a place you got to go. You know, there's some of these places that you hear. um, Japan is its own place. Tokyo, there's nowhere like it in the world. There's just not another place like that. Um, You know, a lot of my favorite places, um, I mean, uh, Mexico. I freaking just love to go to Mexico. There's just something about that place. I I served um, a Mormon mission there back when I used to be a member of that church. And uh, and so I have this place in my heart for Mexico, all things Mexico. And uh, yeah, I lived there for two years. I speak fluent Spanish. And so I love to go to places that, but there's a few places like Machu Picchu. Hmm. Um, I got this in Jerusalem, Machu Picchu, uh, Angkor Wat, Um, that's in Cambodia. These are some of these places that like you can tell there is a different spirit. There's a different energy there. It's just, it's holy. I can't explain it, but you just know it when you're there and you can feel it. And so those are a few of the places that stand out to me, um, that are just breathtaking.
0: Where did you go in Mexico for your mission? I
1: was in Monterey, Mexico for two years. Cool. 19 years old. Yep.
0: So, so you talk about this spirit about it. It's, is it like a reverence? Is it just a warmth?
1: Yeah, it's like a reverence, it's like an energy, it's like a holiness. Um, you just you just know it's different. You just know it's special. Um, it's sacred, um, you could say. Um, those are the words that I would use to describe it. Like you just there's a reverence to it. You just want to be um on your best behavior, for me, which is very rare. Uh <laughs> you know, and you just you just kind of appreciate you're like, wow, like this place is special. There's a reason that. Um, so many, I'll say this too: like most of the places you see pictures of that look incredible, like they're just as cool in person. Most of them are even better. Yeah. Um, there are some, like there was a couple in Bali. I remember I was just like, that's not what the photo looked like. But okay. most of these places that you see, they really are worth going to see. They're that special.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. So you're, you're focused on the men's group, empowering, et cetera. Like, is that where most of your focus lies today?
1: Yeah, so I turned my real estate team over, like I said, last April to my partner, Tyler. He runs that. I kind of am still the face of it, do a lot of the networking and stuff, but I just send all the leads to him to work. Um, he's still closing a couple hundred homes this year. But overall, yeah, 95% of my focus is on building my own personal brand, you know, which is my podcast, my Instagram. But it all points back to We Are The Day, which is my coaching program, you know, and my speaking, uh, my book, all that stuff uh, is designed just to get more awareness of what I'm doing with my men's group.
0: What's the main, like, I mean, obviously you're, you're helping these men, but what's the, is there a, a bigger vision? Like what's, what's the hope with that?
1: Yeah. I mean, um, you know, like the, there's all these different programs and things out there, but nobody was actually showing how to help men just become a better man, like truly at the core of it. So the three pillars of my program are vulnerable, authentic, and in integrity. And I basically, you know, over a 10 year span, I put a lot of time, effort, money into trying to become the better best version of myself and so went to every conference went to every seminar went to every mastermind hired all the coaches read 500 books and at the end of all that you know I just I learned a lot of things I wasted a lot of money waste a lot of time but I learned a lot of amazing things too and so I just took everybody like all the best things that I learned in 10 years put it into a two and a half year program and I said you know what more could I do for men than to help them on this path that I went down and that's what my program's all about is just helping them become the best version of themselves, you know, mindset, health, spirituality, healthy emotional masculine man, um leadership, uh, social dynamics, all the different things that help you just become the best version of yourself.
0: 500 books. Like what are some of the books people are not talking about? It seems like right now there's a lot of like regurgitation of the same stuff. What what are some things that's not being talked about right now that
1: should? Yeah, be? I mean, the best book ever written for men is called The Way of the Superior Man it just is by far the best book. Um, David Dita, the author was, uh, he personally coached me for a little while. Um, brilliant human being. Um, I have a book coming out in February. It's called B one. It comes from the Marcus Aurelius quote, um, waste no more time arguing what a good man should be B one. And, uh, it's, you know, the subtitle is how to be a healthy man in toxic times. And I'm telling you, man, this is my third book. I'm so proud of it. I, 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 it's so good. I'm so grateful that it turned out the way it did, but I think it's, really going to be a, um, just a roadmap for men to get into their, you know, true vulnerability and, and be able to be seen and, and loved and, and, not be afraid of, of leaning into that uncomfortable thing that is holding them back. But, um, you know, I mean, there's so many books out there, uh, atomic habits is a very common one, but it's so good. Um, you know, some of the originals, man, I think one of the problems we have today is there's so much noise, right? There's so many options to go to. Um, you know, there's so many books there's so many podcasts there's so many YouTube videos, And some of the original gangsters that I learned all my stuff from, if you're looking at audiobooks that'll change your life, pick four people, dude. If this is for my first 10 years of my life, my whole 20s, I burned out four CDs, the same four CDs. It's Earl Nightingale, Tony Robbins... Zig Ziglar and Jim Rohn, those four, if you just listen to those four and ignore everyone else, myself included, just listen to those four homies, your life will never be the same. And so I think that they're the four best to ever do it when it comes to self-development. I mean, everybody else is just repeating the stuff that they taught originally and packaging it in their own way, which is valuable too. That's a lot of what I do is I just, you know, I learn something. I'm like, Oh, that's brilliant. I'm going to share it. You know? Um, bring it to the masses, which there's value in that as well. But my point is, is like, there's just a lot of noise. And so rather than reading more, go deeper on some of these things you're already concentrating on. I think that's a, a better point.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. And I mean, that goes into like being a professional, professional athlete. I had an interview earlier today where, you know, a guy had worked with Kevin Durant and Kobe Bryant and some of those guys, you know, in strength and conditioning. And it's just like, it's just the basics, the fundamentals at a really high level, whether it's who you are, or who you want to become, the skills you're building, et cetera. Um, you mentioned earlier, like, you know, growing up in the, the LDS faith and, and it sounds like there's been a transition there. Like, was that, was that a hard journey, uh, going through that?
1: Yeah, man, it was crazy. Um, you know, you're born into a certain religion and, you know, for the first 31 years of my life, I was all in i mean i was 100 percent in it wasn't it wasn't casual i was a virgin into my 30s i had my first drink of alcohol at age 34 years after i'd left that religion um about age 31 32 is when i left um you know it, it was a process uh if it's if you haven't gone through it it's really hard to understand it but it felt like dying i mean it's your whole identity is attached to that thing and for me you know i just i like a few things were off um started exploring it i decided i wanted to go through the path on my own so i didn't tell anyone for two years as i studied i studied about 800 hours worth of stuff and as sure as i was that that was the only way to get back to heaven like i was that sure that it wasn't and so from that point i kind of got left with this void i guess you could say where i knew i'd had an experience where um i'd felt god's love like on the deepest levels of really Beautiful special experience when I was about twenty six, and so I was kind of clinging to that. I was, okay, I know God's good, I know God's real, I know God loves me. Beyond that, everything else was on the table, and it was really cool. I went through a you know a couple year transition there, four or five years, where I got to just kind of experiment and see what do I like, what do I don't. I went to a bunch of other churches, went to some Christian churches, went to some Jewish churches, realized um, none of that's the answer for me. Um, didn't really love any of that. Um, a couple of years ago, I met a guy named Irwin McManus. Um, he's become a close, close friend of mine. Um, he came and spoke to my group this last year at our annual event. Um, I speak to his group. He runs the Mosaic church in LA. Um, one of the biggest pastors in the country. He wrote the book, the genius of Jesus. And, uh, I just love the way that he sees Jesus is the way that I do. And, um, so I've got this newfound spirituality i guess you could say or faith it's it's not based in religion one of the things that erwin likes to say he says religion is for people that believe in hell and spirituality is for people that have been there and uh, i love that and i think that that is the message that i kind of try to give to people it's like look if you're in a religion that works for you beautiful and there's a lot of people in uh, the mormon faith that i was in that it works i'm like stay there if that's the best way you can find jesus and find god do it but if it ain't working there's other options you know and i believe everything has to do with our intention like, I believe in an all-knowing, all-loving God. And it just makes sense to me that, you know, whether you're Jewish, Muslim, Christian, um, to me, if your intention is to do what God's will is, if your intention is to find God, if your intention is to do the best you can, then an all-knowing, all-loving God would honor that. Like, any God would honor that. And so I think it has to a lot more to do with our intention than anything else. And so it's kind of the karma of the universe. Like, whatever I put in, I'm going to get back. And so it's a really beautiful way for me to look at it all. By the way, I don't know. I could be completely wrong. Um, I you know, might change my mind tomorrow. I don't know. I kind of like not having all the answers. For 31 years of my life, I knew where I was from, why I was here, where I was going, what's right and what's wrong. And turns out I didn't know any of that. And so um, I was certain. I was as certain as my name is Jimmy that that was the answer to everything. And so for me, I kind of like the idea of not knowing. And But that makes sense to me. Um, that's a beautiful way to look at life for me that allows me to withhold judgment. One of the things that I, you know, made a lot of mistakes when I was a member of that church is I always cared what people were doing. It's very much in your face. Um, and now instead of caring what people are doing, I just care how people are doing. And that's made all the difference for me. That's made a really beautiful difference in my life of how my relationships are. Everyone who listens to our
0: show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did, but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between 5 and 20 people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of 7-figure strategies and gotten inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us and let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. What would you say has been the tangible difference for you? So like pre-making that decision to now, do you feel freer? Do you feel more fulfilled? Like what are the the internal differences
1: yeah i mean the biggest mis- not mistake the biggest problem i had with when i was looking back because at the time i didn't really recognize it mean, it's just your world's like there's a fish noise in water kind of thing right yeah. um it's just your world but um you know i had a lot of bad days a lot of days where i felt like i wasn't living up i had a lot of times when i was like wondering if i was good enough wondering if god accepted me um a lot of that you know and and I mean, I remember shaming myself because I wanted to have sex with girls. I wasn't even doing it. I just wanted to, and and it was heavy, you know, and I thought I was a terrible person a lot and just had bad days. And once I kind of stepped out of that and just kind of saw it for what it was and recognized that I'm just, I'm a beautiful human. um, I don't have bad days anymore in the middle of a hard thing. I can appreciate it. I know that God loves Jimmy Rex. I know that he accepts my path. I know that he's, finds humor in who I am as a person. I think he's up there telling his friends, like, you're not going to believe what this freaking guy did today. Like he just finds humor in like what I am. And, um, and so that allows me to freely move about and make decisions. And so like every decision I make feels guided. I feel like I just have this love of God and that he loves me. And so I feel like I have a prayer with me all day where anytime I have a prompting, my prayer every morning that I ask God is lead me to the people need me today? That's what I wake up every day and ask God to do. And so anytime I have a prompting or a feeling, I just go with it. And it leads me down a lot of good roads. And so, you know, and when I make mistakes, I give myself grace. I'm like, you know what, for whatever reason, this is the lesson I needed to get today. And it's not bad. It's not wrong. And Literally in the moment, I'm like, man, this is cool. I'm going to have a good story about this, you know? And so I haven't had a bad day in five years. Um, Plenty of days, especially during COVID that I didn't love, but like, you're getting the lesson, you know, and you can just kind of appreciate it at the time. So I'd say that's the biggest difference.
0: So, so talking about that, like, you know, with that prayer being like, leave me to the people that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to be around. Like, do, do you intentionally then create a much more flexible schedule or like, I'm obviously being as productive as you are. I'm assuming time blocking is something that you've done at least for a lot of your life. So take us in a calendar and schedule and how you plan out your life.
1: Yeah, man. So I'm old school. So like when I was a missionary, we had these little blue planners and I was was dialed on that. Like, here's what I tell people, by the way, This is what I coach. I said, the best system is the one you're going to use. So find one that works for you. So for me, dude, I still use the blue planner every single day. I have all my little appointments on there. And uh, yeah, there's plenty of space that's open. You know, it's a full calendar is not necessarily a good calendar. And so I try to leave space open. I do a lot of time I try to find by myself now. I take my mornings for me. Um, from seven to ten a.m. every day is my time. Um, I do a lot of you know content creation in the afternoons, a lot of appointments with my guys, and then at night there's a lot of networking and just different things. But um, yeah, and I just kind of leave it open to like whatever. So I'm very good at adjusting, adapting on the fly. Um, you know, if I have a feeling or a prompting about something, I'll just go with it. I mean, the other day I was on a coaching call with I'm personally being coached by Ed Milet right now. And, you know, I'm on a one-on-one call and I look down, my buddy sends me a, he's trying to call me like multiple times. I'm like, shit, dude, I'm, he's one of my best friends. But I'm like, you know, on this call, um, I was on a Zoom, so like my phone's sitting here. And uh, and then he texts me, he said, hey, can I come over? And long story short, like like his wife had stepped out on him and I was like, oh, shit. Um, and so I just, t- you know, I immediately told my coach, I'm like, hey, I got to go. I'll call you right back. I got a friend that needs me. And like, that was immediate. Like, that was that's what i felt to do like that calls an expensive call you don't want to hang up on that call right like we were in the middle of something but that's what you do and so i called him up said get your ass over here you're coming to my house you know bring your bags until you need to whatever we'll figure this out and you know and, and so that's the kind of stuff i'm referring to like just in the moment like you know whatever you feel just prompt and go with it and it might not be the thing that people think you should do it doesn't matter though like whatever whatever comes my way if like i have an appointment um, I'll give you an example. I, the podcast before this one I was doing and I thought yours was first. So I was sitting at my house on my computer, ready to go. I have a podcast studio. that's 10 minutes from my house. That's where I'm at right now. And all of a sudden I look at my schedule and it was realized that yours was in an hour. And the other one was in person here at my studio. I was like, Oh man. So I ran over here and I literally was like, well, that's the way it was supposed to be. Like, I'm not beating myself up. I'm not struggling or stressed over it. And I even told the person, I was like, dude, For whatever reason, I just need to be at my house for those 10 minutes, you know.
0: Love it. So obviously having been in the grind and been so successful and and now with the coaching and the mentoring of men, like what, what are the messages that men need to hear right now that they're that they're not either not hearing or they're not allowing to infiltrate who they are?
1: Yeah, I think the number one thing I try to help my guys to know is that you're good enough. You're just enough. You are. You don't have to prove yourself. You don't have to show up as anything like you're lovable just as you are. Um, and you know, vulnerability is a superpower. We think it's weakness. I had a guy, I shared this on my podcast, my own personal podcast, the Jimmy Rex Show, the other day. Um, he's been in the program for nine months. And this, I think most men feel this way. That's why I'm sharing this story. But he's like, dude, I just don't feel like I'm connecting on a deeper level like a lot of the guys. You know, we just got back from running with the Bulls in Spain. I took 70 guys, experience of a lifetime. He said, dude, I noticed all the photos from running at the Bulls, I wasn't in any of them with anybody. Like nobody had me in their photos. And I said, can I be honest with you, man? He said, yeah. I said, dude, I said, you have, you're the one guy in the group that's here out of these 50 men on the beach that's still acting like he's got all his crap together. Like you're the one guy that has never been vulnerable with everyone. And I happened to coach his son in our next gen program. I said, look, I talked to your son. I know what your relationship with him is. It's not good. And I said, you're still pretending like everything's fine. He's like, well, it's good. And I said, dude. I said, do you want to connect to them? And we were in a mini mastermind, 10 of us in a circle. He goes, yeah. I go, I'm going to teach you how to do it. You ready? I said, yeah. I said, tell me about your son. Like, really tell us what's going on. He goes, well, here, are this, this. And I said, and how does that make you feel? Well, it makes me feel this, this. And why is that important to you? Well, because this. And what if that weren't true? What would that mean? Well, it would mean this. And what would that mean? It would mean I'm a failure. Oh, so how does that make you feel? And he, all of a sudden he goes, I just feel like my son's a disappointment it's like, oh, and how do you think that makes your son feel to get that energy? Boom, boom. And I said, why do you feel that? Boom. Next thing we know, he's talking about when he was a kid and he was abandoned by his mom. She was out dating and hooking up with guys while he was at home waiting for his mom. And he's just bawling his eyes out. This is a guy that's a construction guy. He's a strong dude, right? And he's bawling his eyes out. And two other guys in the group start crying. One of them's like, dude, that was how it was with my dad. Another one's like, that's how it is with my son. And all of a sudden, they spent six hours together on that beach talking a dozen people came in and out of the conversation. They connected like never when he came up to me afterwards, he's like, damn man, I get it. Like, that's what it is. And it's like, dude, so that's what the number one message I would tell people is that if you really want to connect on a deeper level, you got to quit pretending like everything's okay. You got to, you got to be a little bit vulnerable, you know? And I had a conversation with my dad about four months ago, had a beautiful opportunity that we spent an entire night just chatting. And he shared things with me. He's never been able to share before. He just created this safe container. And I was able to get some things out of him and, I said, Dad, when was the last time you shared this stuff? He said, I've never shared this with anybody. You know, stuff about his dad dying, his sisters falling away from, like, just into some bad things, and, and just different things that happened. He blamed himself for, it. and you know, even my relationship, his relationship with my mom, and how it just was never that good. It, you want to think your parents have this beautiful romance story, and it just wasn't. And he never shared any of this, and how hard it was, and how difficult it was to have these seven kids and not feel like you had enough money, and just all these things. And by the time it was done, he had this beautiful empathy and understanding with my father. And, you know, it, our relationship went a hundred levels deeper than it had ever been. And, uh, and it, you know, that's what I would tell people is like, don't be afraid of those conversations. Don't be afraid to get a little bit vulnerable. And, um, you know, when we put our armor down, we do expose ourselves, but that's where all the beauty's at in that depth. Yeah.
0: Was that a natural thing for you early on in life or was that part of the self-development?
1: No, that was a huge part of the self-development. In fact, I'll, I'll tell this. I mean, when, one of the problems in the church I was in is like, it's not okay not to be okay. Everyone pretends like they're good, but nobody wants to talk about the the real shit going on, you know? And uh, no, I mean, I, you know, I would go to the bishop and talk about things that were going on, but that just came with, you know, punishment and shame and things like that. And uh, no, I never, I, everything I went through that was hard in my entire twenties, I did by myself. And then <clears throat> what happens, I hired a coach through the Tony Robbins organization. Her name was Melissa about eight, nine years ago. And, uh, um, I remember when the first time I, I did something that was quote unquote bad. Right. And I told her and I was just expecting like it always been just be, you know, get whipped or whatever. And, uh, she's like, Oh my gosh, and I was heartbroken. This girl had, basically that I was dating that morning had gotten on a call and said, look, I, I don't think of you as more than a friend. Like I, I just like talking to you and I was heartbroken and like, I'd been dating this girl. And, and, uh, went out and made some dumb decisions with some girls at the bar. And next thing I knew, I, I thought I was just the worst. You know, I was like, this is just proof that I'm a horrible human. And she's like, I just want to give you a hug. I was like, wait, what are you talking about? You know, and I, thankfully I was painter her enough that I said, I might as well tell her what I did because I didn't want to. But I'm like, if I don't, then, you know, I'm wasting my money. And it was, I got love back. It was the first time I ever went, wait, like, I don't have to beat my, like, obviously it's not the best thing to do what I did, but all at the same time, maybe my decisions were bad, but I'm not bad. And I understood this for the first time. Right. And, um, I remember I was up at a cabin another time pretty soon after that. And everybody kind of saw me as like number one real estate agent throwing all the parties dates all the time. Now people probably saw through the facade that I didn't understand, but I thought I had everything dialed in and, um, at least the look of it. And I remember the first time we were at this conference, little mini group of about 10 of us at this cabin, And everybody was opening up, being really vulnerable. And I was like, damn, do I tell them that I don't always know what I'm doing? I'm like, what the hell? I might as well. And I just poured it out and I'm bawling. And I connected deeper with these nine strangers than I ever had with my friends in my life. And that was the first time I was vulnerable. And I was just like, wow, this is special. And from that day forward, I just decided this is going to be a part of what I do. And I got really good at being able to help other people do it too.
0: At this point, is there is there a time to not be vulnerable, or or is it just vulnerability all the time? Is no,
1: there- no, no. You gotta be real careful with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want to be vulnerable with the wrong people. They can use it against you for sure. Um, that's what's important to be a part of a group that you really um, feel safe in. You know, my job as the uh, head of We Are the They is to create a safe container if there's even one person in that group that's not safe, then people won't be able to share. And so like, I'll give you an example. There was a guy that joined our group at the beginning and good guy. Like I really wanted to help him. He had a lot of issues. He knew he did. He was open to the idea that he did. And, but he had a problem with one of the members because of what that member's brother-in-law had done in a business deal. And he didn't even have anything to do with the guy, but he wouldn't, like he refused to be friends with him. He refused to, and that made that container unsafe for that member. And then others as well. And so I had to remove that guy from the group and he went kicking and screaming and, you know, it was really hard for me. I didn't want to kick him out of the group, but he wouldn't adapt to the idea that he needed to change. And so because of that, I had to remove him to keep the container safe. So like if, you know, if I just share everything with everybody, no, they'll use it against me for sure. And with out of context, sometimes things don't sound so good. And so you do want to be careful where you share it with, but that's why it's important to build those bonds of trust you know, to be able to put yourself in spaces that are safe. Like when other people are being vulnerable, you know, that's probably a good time you can be vulnerable. But when everybody's pretending like everything's okay, I probably wouldn't share much.
0: So you've had the the pleasure of reading like a lot of books and then having a lot of mentors. Like as far as mentors that you've physically met with in person or over Zoom, but like you've one-on-one, who has had the most impact on your life?
1: Yeah, man, I'm obsessed with, again, with just like this idea – we have we live in a world today where you can find the person where is where you're the way to find a mentor you find who is where you want to be and then go find a way to be in their world so like when it started out for me my mentors were church leaders in my group they were coaches that i had then it became my real estate mentors guys like mike ferry tom ferry bill pipes some of these top real estate people and you want to do you want to find people just doing a little bit more than you right um and then eventually I got to this level where I'm like hey I had this opportunity to coach with some of these guys like uh David Dita the founder or the the author of the way the superior man it's the best book ever written I'm like wow um I need to re- go hire him so I hired him he's not cheap I mean we're talking you know a lot of money hmm. um but he was a mentor of mine so he's one then I hired Ed Mylett um he's not cheap but he's my one-on-one coach as well and then I hired um, I find these people that are used to be where I was and that are trying to become where I'm trying to go or they are where I'm trying to go. So I hired a guy named Stefano Safandos that um, is just brilliant. He's a relationship expert and hired him. And then Neil Strauss, um, he wrote the book, The Game, which was kind of a mess it's about pickup artistry. But he came back years later, wrote this book called The Truth. It's like one of the best books ever written. And he just kind of calls himself out for all the bullshit. And so I hired him. He's one of my coaches. And uh, these are the four guys that I'm currently working with, but honestly, Melissa, the coach I told you about, and then I got a lady named Kathy that I talked to once a week, had my call with her earlier today. Um, she's a 70 year old lady from Canada, just brilliant. She's like a light worker. I swear. She's, she's beautiful human, but, um, you know, those are all coaches and they've all had different impacts. Um, all mentors of mine. Um, but a lot of people are like, okay, Jimmy, you can afford to hire these top people or whatever. Right. But at the end of the day, Um, What can you afford? I mean, my mentors in my 20s were all the books I was reading, you know. Mm -hmm. I was reading about, I mean, honestly, Jesus is one of my biggest mentors. Like, just, you know, of course he is. Like, um, (laughs) you you can start in there. Like, just do what he taught. Like, he's actually, to this day, if you read all the metaphors and stuff other nobody told it better than he did. Um, You know, and so you can just start there. But if you want more, you know, if you want a physical person, find somebody that's truly where you want to be. And then go and find a way to be in their world, create enough value to get coached by them, whether that's joining their coaching program, one on one coaching, or maybe it's just creating enough value they want to be friends with you. You know, um, one of the things with Ed, uh, our relationships kind of changed. We, I'm no longer like a one on one monthly client of his, but we still have a relationship because we built that. And so the other day I had Johnny Manziel on my podcast, and it was right after the documentary came out, and he hit me up. He's like, How the hell did you get Johnny Manziel on your podcast? I was like, Oh, I'm friends with this dude that's been working for him or with him since he was 14 so i set him up connected him within an hour he's on the phone with johnny manziel setting up his own podcast and so like there's just creating value for these people whoever it is is a way for you to stay in their world to be in their world and everybody needs something you got to figure out what that is and then you know serve them it's really hard not to like somebody or spend time with somebody that's making your life better and so i just tell people that's how you find the best mentors but find the person doesn't it might be the neighbor down the street find the person that's where you want to be and go find a way to create value for their life
0: totally what's your vision for life and business next 12 to 18 months
1: uh, the next 12 months I got a lot of fun stuff planned I got my book coming out um, my goal is to make that a bestseller um, Ed wrote the foreword for me um, I've got it's I love it like the book I'm so proud of it we just finished it like three days ago um, it turned out better than I could have hoped and so I have big plans for that um, with that I'm gonna Try to get on all the, you know, top podcasts, um, try to just really get that book in everybody's hands. I think it'll change their life and that will create a lot of momentum for we are the day. And so in the meanwhile, just keep building weird the they, I'm up to about 500 members right now. Um, you know, we just launched our first official women's group. Um, it filled up in a couple of days. Uh, I've got five men's groups now we got our teen group. Um, and then, but in addition to that, what I'm really working on is myself. I'm trying to spend more time in silence and solace. I go into nature a couple times a week for a couple hours and just sit without my phone. I've been trying to do that. Um, I'm trying to get my morning routine and health as solid as possible. I work on that as much as anything right now. And then I'm working on my personal relationship. I've you know, i put off um, marriage long enough. Um, I've been very intentional. The last three months, I did a dating sabbatical. It actually ends today. I got a date tonight. Uh, but I've been doing this dating sabbatical where just no dates with women, no... You know sexual contact in any way and just trying to be very intentional just trying to pull that energy in and focus it where it's supposed to go and so i would say my more than anything what i'm focused on the next 12 months is really that is the personal stuff the business is taking care of itself so just kind of continue doing that and then see where it goes man just let god guide me wherever he takes it
0: awesome man jimmy thank you so much for going so deep in your life and your business Uh, For those of you out there listening, write down something you learned from today. There were so many nuggets from um, Jimmy's mentors and the books that he dropped and his own experiences and so on and so forth. But write down what you learned. uh, Share with somebody who knows they can hold you accountable because freedom is acquired one action at a time. If you take steps day by day before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode.
1: Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show.